going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I got my good friend here, fellow film producer, filmmaker, Eric, Tom J. How are you, buddy? Hey, dude. It's good to see you. How you doing? It's always good to see you, man. Uh, you have you had quite a busy uh, past week. Uh, you were on set, right? You were, getting, you were getting out there. You were killing it. How did that experience go, buddy? Yeah, dude. It's a um, busy couple weeks. Um, it's been great, I guess, because the tr- city or I guess the city of Toronto or Ontario, I'm not sure what it was, went into like the state of emergency. Mm-hmm. Everything sort of got pushed right into the end of the state of emergency. So like as soon as that ended, there was like all the things that were supposed to be spread out over like two months were sort of you know, in two weeks. And it was like, whoa, that's a, that's a lot of work. Yeah, right there. yeah, yeah, of course. But that's great that you had, you, you actually had people um, being accountable and, and saying, Hey, like, let's make it all in one week. You know, a lot of times, right. You're, you're dealing with a crew that says, yeah, it's okay. We'll, we'll get to it in a few months, but uh, I like that style, right. Busy is good. As I always say, uh, how was the, how was the shoot itself though? Was it, was it uh, enjoyable being back on set? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it does, it does it it's really strange to be back on set these days because it's it's like it's sort of like being back on set but sort of not at the same time you right. know some of the elements are there but you're missing a whole ton of things like you know you know with the masks and the distancing and like the the like the sort of rigid procedures that need to happen you sort of like like that whole sense of communal filmmaking you know where you could give somebody a hug you of know course, what i mean yeah. because you wrapped and it's great and go and have a good time or like you know, talk to somebody sort of intimately about a character moment on a set and like work through it. It's, it's, you don't really have those things anymore because it's also, you're also far away and masked up and everyone's just, it's sort of like a muted experience, you know, in a sense. It's very surreal. Yeah. It's very surreal. And uh, I wanted to mention, does it affect the creativity in any way? Um, A little bit. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, there's definitely that sense of like uh, you can't get like Whereas before you might have had the like the the time to sit down with people and work through a moment or restructure a moment from like what you're filming on a set, you know, now everything is sort of like has to be incredibly scheduled and regimented. Not that it wasn't before, but because of sort of like the social distancing, you know, you have to take lunch at this time and this six people have to go for lunch first, and then these six people have to go for lunch. So you have less sort of space in that that time to be creative, you know, like, and especially be creative in the moment on the day, you know? Right. It's um, yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. And I've, I told you my experience, I've, I filmed a, a project last year and it was over the course of the summer, but it was that window when everything just seemed to go back to normal. There was like what, 20 cases a day, if that. Amazing. And I never really, like we obviously wore the mask, but I think the protocols, uh, weren't as strenuous as what maybe you're experiencing right now. Um, and it's very interesting that you mentioned, you know, all these protocols you have to follow because I guess some filmmakers are making light of it or staying creative because they showed the layout, you know, how you always see on those Instagram posts, like the lens they use and the equipment. Uh, right. and there was a mask that was part of that layout and, really? and yeah, and I got a whole bunch of likes and attention and I, it was like some film, film production page, obviously. Right. But, uh, I enjoyed that because I said that's part of the reality. It's grim, but it's like he's embracing it and saying, hey, you know, if you want to still get out there, this is what it needs to be done. And there's a lot of people I've noticed on Instagram uh, wearing uh, masks and uh, just part of their behind the scenes footage. Um, at least they're being safe and respecting the idea. Uh, have you been following a lot of that, like keeping in touch with filmmakers and, and what they're... <laughs> 
A little bit, man. Not as much as I'd like to. I've sort of yeah, <laughs> sort of kept off the social media recently a little bit, you know, not okay. as much, you know, and yeah. Uh it's it's all it's all depressing, you know. It's not it's not like Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not very uplifting and inspiring. I think I know what you mean. It, it, a lot of times it's a reminder, you know, where where the world's at is uh what, what's your take on social media though? You said you were you are taking a break from it. Is it just temporary or temporarily you're taking a break or just kind of caught up busy probably uh no it's it was a conscious decision and it's a probably a temporary thing for sure but i mean yeah i don't know you just um you're just taking up a lot of time you know in my day and in my life a lot of, of course space. and you know um like some of my films and whatnot there started to be all kinds of stuff that was coming out about them and about like the promotion and it's just making me all anxious. I was checking it way too often. So I just shut it off. You know, it was just, it was just easier like that. You know, you get it. You get addicted to those notifications, man. It gets the best, it gets the best of us, especially myself. You're hearing back from the person or, or, you know, just wondering um, just any form of feedback would help um, peace of mind. Right. But yeah, yeah it, it's, I think that's a smart decision, man, uh, because you can get carried away. Uh, on social media and you, you stay more productive that way. Uh, my biggest thing is you produce more than you consume, right? Which is what you're doing is, you know, showing up on set, interacting with real life people. And if you do check it, it doesn't consume you. Is that the same attitude you kind of have? Yeah, I, I, that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So I was actually uh, checking out your IMDb page and I just wanted to kind of understand your filmography and really see what you've created over the past few years um and a lot of great stuff a lot of stuff that i'm curious to watch as well and i want the audience to you know view them as well and see what kind of work you've created and aside from producing i noticed you wrote and directed two films uh one of them being man vs food and long long time and i just wanted to know like what was the source of inspiration for these three these two stories like how did you kind of did you develop it yourself and yeah how did you just make them become a reality how get these projects running yeah well they're 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 two incredibly different films um you know long long time is a huge you know twenty five thousand dollar big short film and man versus food is like a no budget like thing we threw together for fun you know um but um i guess man, oh, man. Yeah, man versus food. I, I want to hear that first because you and I are both, uh, I should state this now, into California sandwiches. And I just had a Vigencina meat sandwich that you've yet no to try. <laughs> yeah, steak sandwich I, I, on I'm gonna Sunday. Go. I'm gonna go. You have to go, man. You have yeah. to go. <laughs> it's, it's a sin not to go. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i teasing Eric, of course, because uh, I remember with California sandwiches, I suggested a location uh, in Vaughn that he must go to. And he did. So I'm very proud of him for that. But anyway, back to Man vs. Food. I immediately thought of that show they used to have on the Food Network uh, about this tubby guy. He used to go to like all these different American restaurants and just compete for that big uh, prize at the end, win a t-shirt, whatever have you. Right. And yeah, I, I love to know, like, what was the source of inspiration for this? <laughs> um, okay, well, Man vs. Food is sort of the brief synopsis of it. I don't want to give too much away, but it was, okay. it's sort of about a guy who works at an Italian restaurant. who's trying to stick to his diet. Like, cause he's trying to get ripped and he works at this Italian restaurant. And he has to feed all these people, these uh, sort of ridiculously amazing Italian meals. And it's about, it's about that struggle. 
Um, and, so it's uh, not a true story because I don't know what Italian would put themselves through that. Yeah, <laughs> right? Trying to lose weight. Point in case. Point in case. Man versus food, not based on a true story. Not based on a true. <laughs> That's great. Put man. that on the poster. Yeah. Right? There you go. That's the tagline. It's the tagline, dude. Yeah. I coined that term. <laughs> there you go. Money maker. I was joking around with side joke. I was joking around with my buddy once, and uh, we were just like developing a story. And we're like, how funny would it be? I, I said to him, I'm like, I always wanted it to be like, you watch a movie and it's like from the caterers of Django and Chain. Like something <laughs> just out of left field, something stupid, like the guys on set decided to make a movie. Right. <laughs> they had no creative contribution to their past project. That's amazing. All the film people, all the film people, it's a film joke. They, they'd probably understand. But um, yeah, with Man vs. Food, uh, what, what was the experience like though working? Was this your first time working with actors and being on set? No, I, I've directed some stuff before, um, mm -hmm. but it was sort of a fun, uh, spontaneous project that we threw together very quickly. Um, and, but it was, it was a great time, man. It was a great, it was sort of fun to just do something sort of comedic for two or three days and sort of just of take a crack at it, you know? So, but it was fun. It was a small thing, which is really nice because like a lot of the things I'd be, I was doing and have been doing after that, I've been like these sort of like bigger things with a lot of moving pieces like a lot of crew members and a lot of stuff so it was sort of fun to like not do that you know and just have a few people and you know you know pull focus yourself like what's that yeah like? yeah and do stuff like that which was it was a good time and a lot of my some of my good friends who sort of have worked on some of my other bigger things came out and did that for fun just because i asked them to as a favor so oh nice you know, fun people there and it was it was a great time yeah that's those are the best experiences man because you guys learn a lot from each other and it, it's a smaller crowd so it's a more intimate experience you guys understand it's not as overwhelming you you and i you've been on big sets where it's like how do you even absorb the knowledge that you did working on a short film right and it's two different worlds of course i remember speaking to a film director about this and he advised me, you know, you should dabble in both worlds. You should do your indie projects, but you also you should also see how it's like uh, to work in a prof on a professional, big big studio, big budget set. Right. Um, and that's something you do yourself, right? You're yeah, um, yeah. You, you're working on uh, what what projects have you worked on? The Boys, right? You worked on The Boys. Yeah, I've worked on The Boys. Um, yeah. yeah, Shazam, like Shazam, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah those yeah those are some great those are some great uh projects uh the boys especially you have yet to watch the boys right i have yet to watch many of the things that i've actually contributed <laughs> oh to. No, <laughs> this guy's like the johnny depp he doesn't watch the films he's been part of <laughs> <laughs> well i'm a part of them like this much you know, yeah like, exactly <laughs> you're taking it to an extreme that's what it is right you don't want to see your creative contribution <laughs> yeah that's that's it i'm a diva that's that's it i, I have rules about this stuff and no, i'm kidding yeah it's um what kind of things do you learn about being on a big set like that on a big like working like, on the boys yeah what what what, what kind of things because i'm always curious about those things i've, I've yet uh, to do more projects like that i mean in that on most sets i'm i'm there in such a specific capacity you know i'm like i'm a mm. real you know i'm like just one part of the bigger machine right. you know whereas on like some of these other things like the long long time i was i sort of was the one of the key pieces in the machine there i'm not an mm. essential piece at all you know you need everybody but i'm not i'm not running anything you know i'm just i'm just a small piece in the puzzle and i love that of course you know it gets so fun to do that you know and to go mm. and be a part of something where you can just be a little a little piece of 
of you know the bigger picture you know versus trying to have to orchestrate the bigger picture you know a lot of creatives will find that though challenging because they feel they need to contribute i don't know if it's an ego but do you find do you enjoy that structure though uh like a lot of them um I, i'm guilty of this too where it's, it's that feeling of oh I'm, I'm waiting around i'm not really i don't really have like a voice or i'm not doing anything much yeah do you do you is it refreshing though from time to time uh to do those sorts of projects i like it man i think it's I think it's fun to work on a bigger set and not be important at all. Like, yeah, that pressure on your, that, that weight on your shoulders of like thinking yeah, on I the think, spot, like all, all the decisions. And it knocks your ego down a ton, you know, and like, but it's, I just like being there, you know, like, yeah, I, that's great. I'm not like fussy. I just love to be there, you know, and it's fun mm-hmm. to be around these. I just like watching, to be honest with you. Like I paid yeah. a lot, let alone work there. So like, of course it's it's a great experience to you know sort of watch these people do their thing and i just sort of be there enough of a role that you're like contributing but like enough of a not enough of a role where you can sort of like contribute but also sort of absorb at the same time you know and like watch what's happening and really sort of just just sort of take it all in you know and i think that's that's fun yeah you embrace the opportunity right And, and it's the opportunity to be on a film set and a lot of people that might not understand the passion for movies that we have, they won't understand that when we get on set, you know, like I said, I was telling that director, it's, it's a different feeling, that satisfaction, right? Um, as much as it's, it's stressing you out, and I'm sure you had your own stress this past week with your, your uh, film shoots, the end result's always worth it. That's what I find, right? It's, it's always looking at the end product and saying, wow, like this is what this is my imagination. This is my creative contribution for, for the world to see, for people to see, whether it's, I should say my community or the world, right. You know, you don't know how far it can take you. And I think that's what you bring to your projects. And that's the vibe I was getting, which I wanted to lead into long, long time. Um, what was, what was the inspiration for that? Was that something, it was a period piece, I believe. Yeah, That's a big film. Yeah. Let's see it to come out yet. I'm really excited to show you and the audience. Yeah, of course. Production value is insane. I love the cinematography. I should mention, uh, like the 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 photo stills, very nice, and and the shots that you look in it. Um, but yeah, tell walk us through it. Like, what was the the inspiration behind it, creating this kind of story? Yeah, well, I mean, it's I guess the film and like the briefest synopsis is sort of it's about a soldier who's like a lot of his friends died at war. And he sort of comes back home and the war is over and everyone's happy and celebrating. And he's sort of trying to wrap his head around everything that's happened. And it's sort of like a thriller, like a coming home type thriller film in a sense, you know, psychological. Oh, Um, Oh, so it's a psychological uh, focused. uh, Yeah. Like diving into his mind and how he's, how he views reality. Yeah. A little bit. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a character study on a, I guess, you know, PTSD and, and veterans. And it's sort of a comparative look at, you know, you know, the mind of somebody who might've died in war and the mind of somebody who, you know, came back from war, you know, and like, that's what he's struggling with, you know? And so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a very, it sounds like a very dramatic story. What comes to mind is uh, what um, Captain America, Steve Rogers went through. (laughs) I'm not trying to insult the uh, dramatic telling. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's still the same vibe where that dilemma of 
he's fought for the war, fought in the war and all the people he knows is gone. Right. And when he returns back and adjusting to that new lifestyle and interacting with people he's never seen before who to trust really, I think that was, that's the biggest question. And uh, is that something that your film dives into that question of who to trust emotionally? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. It's, it's, it, it, it sort of rides that line a bit for sure. Yes. Um, and I and think I, that like fish out of water thing that Captain America has, like, you know, when mm. he comes back and you know, nobody around him has experienced the same thing as him is like, that's a little bit there as well. Like th- those sort of themes are present, you know, in the film. And so it's a big project. I'm really excited to show. Yeah, uh, no, it looks, it looks massive, like an, uh, an undertaking and um, that it, it's, it's exciting. It's something that I, I look forward to seeing and I wish it the best of luck. Um, I know you guys, you, you guys are submitting it to festivals, I'm assuming, and, or, or it's already circulating. Not circulating yet, but it's oh, done. Okay. We're, we're, yeah, we're, a bunch of stuff coming soon i can't say much but as soon as yeah I of can. course yeah yeah but we, we had sure. a great cast you know and a, you know uh yeah tons of great people the same act some of the same actors for man one of the same actors from oh, man okay, nice. Dude, my friend alex uh Pichalis, he's a great actor right uh, he, he he sort of did both projects which was a lot of fun you know that he was That's able great. to carry yeah. over it's a great actor um yeah yeah, how were you, how were you able to assemble such a production though? Like this was it were these people that you knew through the business or did you search seek funding? So from the start or from like just getting the people like what it, from the yeah from getting the people like getting getting that budget getting the I, I think I'm more fascinated with the the production value like how it looks so polished like the way it did. Um, yeah. it was it just a combination I guess of people you knew in the business. Well, I was able to sort of assemble some of the finances for it, you know, through okay, nice. um, just a variety of sources, you know, uh, a little bit from like the government, a little bit from here and there, you know, different places um, uh, to sort of piece together at least you know, the partial financing for it. And then at that point, I was able to sort of push it out there to a bunch of, you know, really great collaborators, you know, and that was sort mm-hmm. of the fun of the project. I always like to sort of be like, if you're like the worst person in the room, you know like if everyone there is just way better at their job than you you learn so quickly and like that's what i was going for i was like taking no small shots with that film and i was pushing it to as as many big people as i could you know and uh like the cinematographer matt bendo um he's an incredible cinematographer he's really one of the keys to the look of the film like you're asking about the production value that's a matt bendo thing in an art department wendy vu and the art like the art team and the cinematography team and and then all that. And then it was just like a matter of like, you know, assembling the right people and, you know, and then in post-production as well to make it really sort of come sort of pull together, you know, like of course. colorists, like, and uh, we had Clinton Hamoth at Art Jail was a colorist for us, which is like, a he's a great colorist and he was, he did our film and that, that contributes to the look of it. And yeah, it was, yeah, it's, it's the team of people. I think everyone contributed, yeah. to that, you know? And you mentioned something interesting where, uh, which is very true. You learn, learn from the people you bring on board. And like you said, it, it's, if they're like you or better than you, um, it's a benefit. And I'm sure you learned exceptionally, exceptionally, um, amount of work, um, that you can provide, that you can use and apply to your next projects. Right. And even, even to mention that it's a period piece, like the fact that you had to make it believable and, that authenticity and like you were saying like the art department and 
I'm sure the art direction, right? The, the, the sets, the costumes, everything played a part. So that's why I'm saying it's a huge undertaking. And, uh, and I commend you on the fact that it, you saw it all the way through. And on top of that, I should mention that you're also an actor. Are you the lead in this project? Because you acted in this in this movie. I did act in this project. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I do. I'm an actor. Um, yeah, I acted in the film. Um, yeah. What was what was that experience like? So you wrote, directed it, and acted it, correct? Yeah. And I did. Yeah. Which was crazy. that's amazing. So what what was it like, man? Tell me. What was that? Was ex- Charlie Chaplin. The, over the here. Answers, was a lot. <laughs> this guy's Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, I saw these things, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I nearly killed me, you know. But, yeah. uh, um, what, no. What's left is you got to compose it. <laughs> I bring up Charlie no, Chaplin because oh, that guy's like such you. a genius. <laughs> you should hear the score for this film. It's like incredible. yeah, I can't yeah, wait. Spencer man. Cregan, uh, he composed a bunch of movies like Blackwater with Jean Claude Van Damme and like Late Night to Late Night and like with Mindy Kaling. Like, oh, that's yeah, great. I can't wait. It's going to be on Spotify soon. So um, that's great. Yeah, for you to hear it. But yeah, I acted in it. Um, it was a it was a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It was great to do it. Um, it was a great part. Um, I lost a lot of weight. That was like mm. the, one of the big things with mm. that part, you know, it was like this guy was sort of traumatized and it was like, how do I, you know, I went to like, the, I went to like a lot of like the veterans halls and things like that around here. You know, there's, right. um, we just kept looking at all these photos and talking to all these people and they just had like this, like, like this sort of like sunken look in there. Like they've been starved of life, you know? Yeah. Um, I like all these photos. So when I like, I was like, how, how do I do that? You know, like, cause I obviously don't look like I've been starved of life. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. And um, yeah, so it was. It was like that was a was trying to get myself to sort of that space, and that was that was challenging to do to get to such a like a sort of a dark spot while also trying to sort of like spearhead the project and direct and mm-hmm. be like the sort of like businessy kind of like person who had to be responsible for everything. Anyways, you know, it was just it was a lot, but it was a great experience, you know. And the, my, I had a great supporting cast, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, that guy, Alex Pachalis and Chris Ormerod and Emily Virgins, they were a couple actors who were sort of in it with me, um, nice. which is, which was great, you know, and we, I have a great first AD named like Jan Kaminsky. He's this like Ukrainian first oh, AD. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's great dude. And he's a dear friend of mine. And like, all those people sort of like were the structure that allowed me to do all those jobs. You know, like I couldn't yeah. have done all the jobs without all of them sort of supporting me through it. You know of what course. I mean? Of it, course. It's so. very important that that you, and that that's credit to your producing, right? You got all the right people um, for the job, the right people for the job, and they all played a part um, in, in allowing you to wear all those multiple hats without burning out. Yeah, it was it was right. a hell of an experience. Dude. It was I can't wait to show it to you guys. There'll be some stuff coming soon. I'll... Yeah, the poster looks really cool too. I even um, I remember you showing me, and if you even go on Eric's IMDb, you'll see the poster. It's very La La Land kind of inspired. It's a Wonderful Life that era. The the style. Well, La La Land is <laughs> derived from that era, but yeah. uh, it reminds me of again the old uh, vintage looking posters of that of that time period a very innocent time right and um is there an artist that comprised that is that someone separate from the, the project the hand-drawn poster yeah yeah that was actually drawn by alex bachalis the actor in the film oh wow he yeah he's an artist amazing oh great and so he he drew out the poster um and i was like this is incredible and so that's 
And yeah, then the that's film is use. sort of a throwback in a sense, right? So that of was sort course, of, yeah. of it. It's like I have other posters, you know, other like cinematic looking sort of model. Gritty. Yeah, you could have made it look gritty and like dark. Like like you said, like a psychological thriller. Right. right. But it was it was just such a nice like throwback. Then the mm-hmm. film is a throwback in a sense. So it's such a it, it just seemed right, you know? Well, this goes back to authentic, authenticity and uh, why for me, just looking at the shots and the photo stills and the whole package, I, I would say, is you you just feel like everything is working together. Everything uh, belongs together. The, the poster is an appropriate use, right? You're not putting like an 80s inspired poster. You're putting something that was from that timepiece. And, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things is when I looked at the photo still, it reminded me, I'm bringing up Captain America though, is they, they did shots like that where they, the, the lighting and the cinematography of that World War II era. And you really sold that, that look with the sunken eyes and, you know, the jawline, the, the cheeks. Um, skinny Steve. You know, the skinny, yeah, Skinny Steve pretty much, man. Even the haircut the, is, is pretty much spot on. Um, and I think the reason why I'm commending this a lot is because I, I understand it's difficult as it is with big budget movies because you see ones that don't do horribly, uh, convincing you that it's a period piece. But the fact that at, at our level or your level, I should say, you know, pull, pulling off such a period piece and the undertaking, you know, making sure everything looks authentic, it's, it's very important and, and critical in the believability. And I'm sure that's something that you were stressing as wearing all those creative hats, right? That no matter what, we have to make sure that we don't detach from this, this reality, this universe, right? We, we can't, can't be any, any sign of something that uh, wasn't part of this time period, or at least someone would point out and say, whoa, that doesn't look right, you know? It's a producer's nightmare, you know, to try and be <laughs> in a world war, yeah. whatever, you know, like it's, it's not pleasant at all. Everything is harder, right? Yeah, it's, uh, so. yeah, it, it, but it's a learning, it's, it's a learning curve and it's something that you, you overcame. And now, you know, if you want to make, you know, some, something about the ancient Romans, it'll be a, it'll be a, you have a better chance, right? <laughs> I think I, I'll take a, yeah, I'll take a rain check on the ancient Romans. I think. Yeah. Right. Are you a fan of history though? Like, is that something I love you'd be history. in storytelling? Nice. I love history. Yeah, I would make That's history great. all day if it wasn't for the fact that they're like a pain in the ass. Of course, to, like, you got to fly to Italy, bro. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, you have to fly to like Italy or some shit just to just to have your like Ford escape in the back because it throws the whole thing off. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the. <laughs> of course, man. No, no. I, I, uh, yeah. Who's gonna rent a hundred horses, right? <laughs> yeah you sort of you have all these weird tasks you need to figure out you know right like you know ben her scale yeah it's like how do you how do you get that quantity of stuff that you need to make it like because it's not like producing something like that like a period piece like that right like you think Mm -hmm. it would be simple you go okay you shoot it in a location that doesn't have any modern stuff you do right but then you also think about the problem is it's not the main characters that's the problem it's everyone else in it that's the that's the nightmare right because like with my film you know we'd be like 35 40 extras some days right and you have to like it's like each of those people have to have a costume and they have to have their hair done in a 40s fashion you know when they can't be wearing like they didn't have like earrings at that time they were always clip on earrings so it's like you have to clip on earrings and yeah you know, and the, the certain like tungsten light, like it's very specific. And like the, mm-hmm. you, we had to like remove air conditioning units from the location with VF. Like it was just like all these things. It was just like super tedious. And like, no, there's not yeah. very many buildings that are like not restored 
or look close to sort of like the 1940s anymore. Like a lot of buildings have restorations inside of them or at least partial restoration. So it's hard yeah, to course, find something yeah. that looks like that, right? Like truly authentic, yeah. yeah. W- was there a consultant on set though? Like a historical, did you guys have someone to make sure if everything looked as authentic as it could? So not on set, but we before we got it authentic, like the script, we had a like some historical consultants, yeah. And then- oh, wow with the costuming was a big thing was just like, we really had to understand, uh, you know, what, who was going to be wearing what and, and who they were. Like, it was almost like creating a backstory for all of the extras in a sense. Cause we really, you really had to sort of like understand all the pieces of the puzzle with them. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's important. The reason why I asked that is because, um, I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't really know where to start uh, in terms of meeting that historical accuracy and, uh, you know, having that back and forth with these people uh, that having that expertise was probably a weight off your shoulders, right? Preparation. A little bit. It was definitely like, you don't want to, if you're going to put all this time and effort into it, you kind of, you really don't want to mess up at least the authenticity of the, the piece. Right. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was very helpful to have so many people, you know, to help. It helps. It helps, man. It helps a lot. And, you know, from my experience with being the the few projects that I've done, no matter how small, no matter how big they are, it's always important to be prepared and you have to respect the story. If you want to, uh, everyone on set your crew, your cast, anyone that's a part of it needs to respect the story, needs to respect the vision, because if you don't, you're not going to reach your optimal performance. You're not going to, express uh what you want to express because the camera doesn't lie as you you and i both know uh people will know if you're bullshitting it uh whether it's a performance or even a director that doesn't know what he's doing um you have to and that all starts from respecting the story that's something i tell a lot of uh, my colleagues or friends that are interested in film is it's it's it starts from the beginning and i mentioned this actually because i'll give you an example that film cracked uh that i have for you to watch (laughs) uh hopefully soon circulating right now in festivals um that was like a directorial debut for me that was the first time i was dealing with actors and scripted material and it was a big step but um i was telling the people that i was working with uh my colleagues and now turned friends is they were nervous about bringing me on board they weren't as anyone would be they weren't sure you know how everyone was going to operate and work how was it going to work out and what i told them is that i think it was necessary that we respect the story because the story was about mental health and mental health is something that I'm always encouraging people be aware of, uh, you know, take the right, the right steps in ensuring that you have a healthy mindset, especially with this pandemic. And I guess what I'm trying to say is approaching that subject matter, you have to have such sensitivity and sort of empathy for the characters and really understand that they're what they're going through. Um, I'm not saying someone who doesn't understand mental health would do a poor job, but I really do believe it wouldn't be the best work uh, they can put in. Uh, so I think it's very important. And back to what your, your film, A Long, Long Night, you going into that story, you respected the time, you respected the period. Uh, that's why things came across very authentic is because this is a story that you wanted to tell with accuracy, right? Absolutely. So, so, so very admirable on that note. And again, very exciting uh, just hearing the process uh, you went through. I can't wait to watch it. And yeah, it is. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, I've 
that's leading me to my next point here is, you know, I, I just can't help but think with this pandemic and everything that's going on. And I'm sure you're thinking about even, I don't know if you're at that stage yet, probably not, but distribution and just thinking about the future. What do you think the future of movies will be like? Do you think it leans more towards back to normal with theaters or is it going to be streaming services? That's a great question, dude. Yeah, no, it's something I need to know, man, from you because I respect your opinion and I'm curious like what, how you see the industry where, where it's moving towards. I mean, my guess is as good as anybody's at this point, but I mean, I think that I definitely feel as though like that theaters are, I definitely feel as though the contrasting, like before, like, you know, 10 years ago, they would have like small movies were sort of funded by sort of somebody like Miramax or like a smaller thing, right? Or Fox mm-hmm. or Flight. And then big movies were big tentpoles and then they both go to the theaters, right? Right. Now what's happening is it sort of seems as though that those movies that were founded by like funded by Miramax or by like Fox Searchlight or one of the smaller companies, like, you know, like those sort of Oscar movies or like those smaller projects, passion projects and whatnot are getting funded by the streaming services and are going straight to the streaming services. And then the only thing that's left for the like the theaters are just bit primarily the big tentpole movies that are coming from the sort of the big studios right Mm -hmm. so whereas before both would show in the theaters now it seems like the theaters are sort of relegated at least primarily to these huge movies and then the smaller movies have sort of like a limited theater release so they can go to the oscars but really just go straight to the streaming services you know you've been seeing that with like a lot of the films like the awards films in the past couple years right yeah of course um films like irishman comes to mind right didn't even i don't even think it hit or I only saw it at the Tiff Bell light box, but primarily it was on Netflix, right? And still contended for the Oscars. Um, you know, uh, a movie like The King, for example, Tim- Timothy Shamali. Again, I watched it in the Tiff Bell light box, but it was for Netflix. And Borat, the sequel, <laughs> won Golden Globe uh, for best best comedy, right? And that was on Amazon Prime. That wasn't even in the theaters. So it is, it is a, I'm going to call it a scary time because I'm a huge fan of movie theaters. That was a dream of mine. And, yeah. you know, you never know what's possible. I wouldn't completely uh, deny the opportunity that I'll have. But at the same time, it, it would be really, really sad that filmmakers that grew up going to the cinema, um, enjoying, you know, seeing films uh, from their heroes on the screen, big Tarantino fan, right? So just watching yeah. a movie like Django Unchained on the screen, or in Glorious Bastards is so much different than watching it at home. And I think that's what every filmmaker in their heart, or at least what I believe I, I would want, want my films to be seen in that light, you know, in that experience, it's just a different dynamic. Um, would you agree on that? Is it, does it, are you indifferent about it or? No, dude, I, I want theaters to stick around too. And I don't think yeah. theaters necessarily going anywhere. I like, mm-hmm. I don't think theaters are going anywhere to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I just think the model for filmmaking and funding through theaters is going to change, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel as though the pandemic is obviously like cr- crushing movie theaters, but like, um, I hope, and I have the opinion that when this hopefully all ends and if it ends sort of cleanly that I think people will want to go back to the theaters and I think yeah. they, people will rush back to the theaters, you know? I think it'll benefit us. Like you just said, like the whole business model, 
uh, marketing distribution, all that. I think it, it's going to benefit more and more people in our, our situation where we're trying to get to that. We, we can kind of avoid the whole Hollywood system um, and get our films noticed um, because there's not so much of a competition, if that makes sense. Um, but I don't think movie theaters will completely become obsolete. And the reason why I believe that is because it's a social experience. It's not something mm-hmm. that like a blockbuster blockbuster, I would argue in a way was a social exper- experience, but at the same time, you weren't really interacting with many people. It was more for yourself, like a solo act, <laughs> you kind of go w- pick which movies you want, but a movie theater, that's like going on a date or hanging out with friends. And it's almost like them saying restaurants are going to be out of business because there's not going to be any more restaurants because you could just get hello fresh and they deliver food to your house. Uh, restaurants will always be around because people are always curious about, you know, chefs, what they can offer different foods, trying out different foods, but at its core, um, an excuse to get out and a meeting place to have conversation with friends and family. So I believe that with movie theaters, as much as you're not talking during the movie and I hope you're not, but if it's bad, I can understand that. (laughs) Um, it's a social experience and there's nothing, there's nothing like that. Just being in the theater. And I miss that watching the screen and hearing people laugh at a joke or going gasping, like, like something happened. And even for myself, I, you know, again, I bring up Django and chain cause that was the movie that really solidified um, my uh, admiration for Tarantino. It's because the, the theater, the experience, just seeing how he was able to pull the strings on the audience and, the music and how everyone was just pumped and it just grabs you, you know, it takes hold of you and you're not distracted at all. Like my phone wasn't taken out at once. I didn't go to the bathroom once. And I guess what I'm trying to say is to have that immersive experience again is something that no one should be deprived of. Everyone should have experienced at least once. So movie theaters don't go away. We love you. And we also love your popcorn. <laughs> I know I do. Me, <laughs> right? The Cinefine. <laughs> My favorite, dude. Problem? How much I love it, buddy. I think I tried to order it once because someone was saying you could do it through Uber Eats, and I, I don't know if the de- yeah, I don't know if the demand was high, but I couldn't get through. It was like error. It was like unable to process. I was like, okay, maybe people have the same idea I have, but. And I love those guys. I love you, the center plugs, but st- during a pandemic, still charging 30 bucks for a pack of popcorn. <laughs> I guess they just know that they're, they're the shit, you know, like that, that's what they're, do, yes. that's what they're all about, man. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, man, it's uh it's an interesting ride, man. Pandemic and everything like that. And um, you're, you're in, you're in uh, York region, right? So you're, the restrictions are slowly getting lifted as you're explaining, right? That's why you're filming now. Yeah. We're just kind of laying low. Yeah, man. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, other than that, it's uh, it was a great conversation having you, you know, having you on like always. And uh, it's been great. yeah, always, uh, always enjoy talking about movies with you. And uh, like I said, guys, uh, check out, uh, check out his page, IMDb page, Eric Tom J, uh, Man vs. Food, Long, Long Time. Uh, I know I'm very excited to watch those um, projects and uh, see your growth as a filmmaker. And, you know, these projects that you worked on last, uh, we're, we'll talk about more uh, as things develop, you know, what they were all about <laughs> and maybe some fun experiences that you went through. I'd love to show you. There'll be some stuff coming soon. I can show some stuff on the podcast or whatever. I, I Yeah, for sure. 
bring if you're interested yeah yeah tell her all always tell our all tell our audience about it i can't even speak today and um yeah we'll go from there all right so thanks again everyone for joining in thank you again eric tom j and we'll talk soon